This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome in, everybody. It's the podcast for Pelicans and Saints fans. The Black and Blue Report is up and running for this Thursday. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive. Heck, later today we'll be down the road at Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans are back home tonight. It's back-to-back for the Pelicans. They host Denver at the Smoothie King Center at 7 o'clock. After a loss last night at San Antonio, they gave the Spurs all they wanted last night, but ended up losing um, 100-92. Glad you're with us here today. We've got... A great guest lined up, Scott Kushner, whom we probably don't talk to enough. I really enjoy his work uh, with The Advocate, and uh, he will be our guest today. We're going to talk not only Pelicans, but also some Tulane athletics as well. They have had a ton of stuff going on in Tulane. And uh, Scott not only covers the Pelicans, but he's also on the Tulane beat and has been for quite some time. So we'll have a great conversation with him today. And uh, here in just a moment, we'll listen in to Pelicans head coach, Alvin Gentry, uh, following last night's loss at San Antonio. The Pelicans now have eight games to go, just three left at home uh, as we uh, get ready to close things out. Denver tonight, obviously, at seven. And the Nuggets uh, were winners last night at Memphis, uh, so they're coming in looking to uh, sweep this back-to-back on the road. Look, um, it's one of those deals with the Pelicans right now as to uh, what are you going to get? What are the young guys or these newer guys going to show us? And, and that's made things intriguing. Uh, and they almost, well, I wouldn't say almost, they sure made it interesting into uh, the AT&T Center last night as the uh, Spurs did prevail and, and win an NBA record 38th straight at home to start a season. Uh, but the final score of 192 uh, tells the story of a late uh, surge by the Pelicans. They scored 37 points in the fourth quarter, outscored the Spurs by 10 and trying to make it, really trying to get it to a one-possession game there uh, in the waning moments. Uh, never really got closer than six uh, at the end and then and then fall by eight. But as we're looking at some of the new players and the uh, efforts that they're putting forth, uh, guys like Tim Frazier went double figures again last night on four of eight shooting. Uh, Jordan Hamilton got his first Pelican start last night, played nearly 31 minutes. He had 14 points. He also added five rebounds and four assists. And then James Ennis, who arrived at the uh, Pelicans locker room at 5.45 or so last night, uh, ends up playing off the bench uh, just over 24 minutes and scores 13 points on four of nine shooting. So we're getting a good look and a good honest effort from some of these guys uh, filling in. As, as uh, we know, Alvin Gentry, we talked about this yesterday, has nine guys available right now. And uh, Dante Cunningham and, and Omer Ashik and... I guess Tony Douglas, to some extent, really only the regular rotation guys early on in the season. Luke Babbitt's still healthy. He played off the bench last night to give them some scoring, got to double figures. Alexia Jinsa is surging here of late with higher minutes. He led the team in scoring with 18 last night. And Omer Ashik almost had double-digit rebounds. So there are still interesting things to look at with this team. There are still things that uh, give you pause and, uh, and and make it worthwhile to follow the team the rest of the way through and learn something about this group or maybe about Alvin Gentry and his staff as to the way they're trying to finish out this uh, campaign that now has them currently sitting at 27 
and 47. Would you like to win? You bet. No doubt. Would it have been great to, to wreck their perfect home record last night? Yeah. But realistic? Mm, probably not uh, in, in light of those things. Uh, so here was Alvin Gentry. Uh, as you might expect, um, a mix in his post-game press conference. Coach, what a fourth quarter. You gave the Spurs all they could handle here at home tonight. Well, that's what we've been doing. Our guys have been playing extremely hard, uh, competing to the final horn goes off, uh, and that's all we can ask of them. Uh, I thought we had chances. We, we, got ourselves, we dug ourselves a little hole, excuse me, at the start of the third quarter, and then, you know, it's like an uphill battle from there. But, you know, we never, we never gave in. We never stopped trying. Uh, you know, we got guys out there that's been with the team two days. Another guy got here at 6.15. You know, I thought he did a good job. They played with energy, and we just—we really just had to try to make it up as we went along. You know, since he didn't have any chance at all to go through anything. But, you know, I thought the effort was great. I thought we tried to do everything we possibly could against a great team. So, uh, uh, as a coach, I think that's all we can ask for. Was it frustrating in any way to, to have your team miss so many looks in the paint? You were getting quality looks, and they just wouldn't go, especially in quarters number two and three. Yeah, in the third quarter, I thought that's what really hurt us. We had it right at the basket and just couldn't get it in. And even a couple of them I thought were, were down, it just rolled all the way around the women and rolled out. But, you know, we did all the right stuff. We, we, we played the way we were supposed to. We played unselfishly. Uh, we competed at the highest level that we possibly could. So uh, I'm fine with that. Coach, I held Aldridge down. I mean, you didn't get 36 the last time you all played, and you had five until the fourth quarter tonight. Did y'all do anything special on him? No, we just we just tried to stay engaged with him. I think we let his, we let him get into open space too much the last time, and that's when he's a great, great player. But I thought Perk did a good job on him. I thought uh, Omir did a good job on him. And then we did a good job of just kind uh, uh, of, of coming down and, and trying to bother his dribble and things like that. So, uh, you know, they, he, he's a great player. And... Uh, we knew that if we were going to have any chance at all, we had to do a good job on him, which I thought we did. Spurs setting the, the record, home record. I mean, a lot of things have to go right uh, during the season for them to do so well during the home season. Can you talk about just uh, how they've looked so far? You know, from well, you know, things have to go right, but you also have to have a great team, and they've got a great team. So uh, it doesn't matter how things go right or wrong. You have to be, you know, in a position where, you know, if you're going to go undefeated at home. You got to be a team that has cha a championship potential. Obviously, these guys have championship potential. They've proven that over the last 15 years. So, uh, you know, I think it's something that's really good. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, both of those teams, Golden State and, and and the Spurs, you know, have an opportunity to do something that no team has ever done in league history, and that's to go undefeated, you know, at home. So, uh, it's going to be interesting because I know they play each other two more times: one here, one there. Uh, but it makes for great things in the NBA, I think, you know. Um, I also think that, you know, you watch uh, Kawhi and what he's become and how he's uh, evolved as a player. And, you know, if, if Golden State wasn't doing what they were doing, uh, which is like historic by all accounts, uh, then I think you would be – you would hear a lot more about Kawhi Leonard being the MVP of the league. You know, he's, he's made himself that kind of player. You know, he plays both ends of the court. He's become a great – you know, three-point shooter. Uh, so, I guess all the kids out there, you can you can work your, if you if you're willing to put in the work, you can see what can happen. You know, because he's put in the work and made himself a great player. Of course, we'll hear more from Alvin Gentry tonight. Obviously, pregame against the Nuggets, but also 
the Alvin Gentry shows on the radio tonight. We'll give you the details on that before we wrap up today's Black and Blue Report. All quiet on the Saints front pretty much uh, over the last uh, day or two. Uh, there was some reports about a restructuring regarding Mark Ingram, by the way. And so you could add Mark Ingram to that list if, if that is what if, if what is re- being reported is true. Uh, there's still some maneuvering that's going on with regard to getting things lined up money-wise, roster-wise, and now getting ready for what we know as six draft picks at the moment in the upcoming draft. So nothing truly to Rhea to report just yet uh, here on the Black and Blue Report this Thursday. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll jump into our featured conversation today. Scott Kushner is with us. We'll talk Pelicans and Tulane. All of it is interesting, whether or not you're a Pelicans or Tulane Green Wave fan um, because of the uh, the two programs, uh, where they are at their, at their moment in time here as we end March of 2016. Stay with us. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Your New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to unwind with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack. Presented by Fulton Alley. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers. Plus, Fulton Alley's throwing in a free game of bowling, all for as low as $50. Take flight with the next Guys Night Out on Thursday, March 31st against the Denver Nuggets. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Your 2016-2017 Pelican season tickets are on sale now. Purchase your seats by March 31st and you can lock in our early bird pricing with lower bowl season tickets starting as low as $31 per game. Pelican season ticket holders have a chance to win great gifts as part of our parade of prizes, including autographed jerseys, trips with the team, and much, much more. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats by March 31st and take advantage of this early bird deal. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Scott Kushner is with the uh, Advocate and the New Orleans Advocate. I guess I should note both newspapers since there are two different versions. But certainly he's uh, one of our favorites uh, that cover both the uh, Pelicans and Tulane for that matter. We'll kind of hit two topics at once here. But Scott, welcome in. Glad you could be with us here this morning. Absolutely, Sean. Long-time listener. First-time caller. Well, there you go. Nice work on that. Um, and I'll see you tonight, I'm sure, at the Smoothie King Center, if not in the next couple of days, uh, as the Pelicans return home for their final eight. You and I were just talking before we started the tape here. Scott, I, I, I don't know what to do with these final eight games. I, I kind of am taking them almost quarter by quarter, if not hour by hour, with regard to who's available to play and who isn't. It's a strange deal for those of us inside the walls. I would love to hear your perspective 
from outside the walls. It does genuinely feel like you're covering a summer league team, and the summer league team happens to be playing other NBA teams. That, that's kind of what it feels like right now, because I don't really know who anybody is for the most part. I mean, it's a lot of unknowns out there, and there's certainly, even the guys who you know, are doing are, are playing in positions and doing things like Luke Babbitt having to you know basically be the the main scoring option and all this kind of stuff um, that you would just never expect. So you're sort of seeing uh, a whole different realm of a basketball team from what we expected first of all, and then as the seasons evolved, you've just noticed changes and evolutions, and and everything is 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 kind of up is down and, and black is white. Um, as you watch this season. And so I really do treat it almost like they're exhibitions at this point to kind of see what guys are playing well, which one of these 10-day guys can stick. Um, do, you know, is, is there somebody that's been lingering on the bench that maybe has more than we expected when they were getting, you know, four and five minutes a night instead of 35 minutes a night? Um, so so it's, it's been interesting in that regard. It, the results have been less interesting, uh, certainly. But uh, overall, you know, it is something to watch. It is more unique than just a bad team that has been bad and the same players are bad for 82 games. It is unique, isn't it? And, and you know, one, the one thing is, Scott, I've been around some veteran teams that when things have not gone well or the inevitable seems obvious, uh, they've kind of mailed it in a little bit. Not this group. Um, even last night at San Antonio, where they haven't lost in like 40 years, um, this team put forth a pretty heartfelt effort and, and made it entertaining. It, 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 that, that in itself I find to be remarkable at this point. It, it is, and I think you can credit a lot of that to guys like Tim Frazier um, who are in there and really kind of fighting for their NBA lives uh, and, you know, these guys understand that every minute on that floor and every tape, every possession that they put on tape matters. Uh, and, you know, it, it, but credit guys like Dante Cunningham and Kendrick Perkins, people who have put years in this league, have guaranteed contracts, um, and, and they're playing just as hard as anybody else. And, uh, you know, you give people the opportunity to shine, and then they'll sometimes they'll pleasantly surprise you. And I think Alvin Gentry has been pleased with that side of things there were times early in the season where you could sense how frustrated he was by the day-to-day effort and some of the things just not clicking the way they are now he's annoyed by the level of talent that he has available but he certainly is not questioning the effort anymore and I think you can credit a lot of that to some of these young guys that have stepped in and really played hard Scott in any way can you look back whether it be on your experience or that you've read about or talked to someone about uh, of a situation like this where, again, like on Tuesday, the team lands and the news comes out about three more players basically being, you know, done the rest of the way due to injury. And, and, and there are more guys in suits than there are uniforms. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to think back and, and compare uh, in my own personal experience. But, but what about you? I'm going to go a little Todd Graffanini on you. The, the 2008 Tulane football team. I believe had 30-plus players that were out for the season by the end of the year. Um, They were losing every game by 40-plus points. I mean, they literally – Bob Toledo did not have enough guys for a two-deep by the end of the season. That's the only thing I can compare to this. This is significantly more entertaining than that. That was just guys – and they lost like nine straight games, and it was – they were just done. And there was nobody left, and, and that was a complete train wreck. This is not quite that bad, but that's the only real example that I can give. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people are going to remember the 2008 Tulane football season, but they're, they're exclusive to the black and blue report, that, uh, that comparison. 
Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, interesting. Gosh, that was, yeah, that was after the Katrina years and everything else. So, Scott, when, when you look at the current situation right now, who's available, who's not? Um, obviously, the season's going to end on April the 13th. What kind of things are you looking at right now, or observing, I should say, that will spark conversation that begins on April the 14th? How does what we're seeing now shape that conversation coming up? I think you look at the bottom of this roster uh, and see which one of these guys are going to hold on to spots. Uh, I mean, James Ennis is, is going to get himself an opportunity. This team, and same with Jordan Hamilton, these, this team needs a swingman. Um, one of these guys is going to play 25, 30 minutes a night and going to have plenty of opportunity to show that they belong in this league, whether it's for the Pelicans or not, quite frankly. Uh, can Dante Cunningham play two positions? Can these centers actually be – uh, you know, NBA centers that, you know, there's so many struggles throughout the season with Ashik and, and Jinsa, and obviously, you know, Perkins is what he is, which is, you know, toward the tail end of his career. Um, but all these, there, there's still plenty of questions that need to be asked about this team. Um, not to mention a guy like Tim Frazier, who I really do, I think is going to get an excellent opportunity to make this roster as a third point guard next year. And then all of a sudden you've got kind of a young group uh, on this roster if you add Dejon Jones who's got a little bit of guaranteed money coming next year so he's likely to make the roster on top of Tim Frazier who's going to get an opportunity uh, all of a sudden you know you've got a different bottom of the roster whereas last offseason everybody I talked to around knew entering the end of the season they were going to try everything they could to bring back pretty much the whole roster from the previous year. I think you're going to see a significant shakeup this offseason, maybe not necessarily the guys at the top top outside of the unrestricted free agents like Gordon and Anderson, but other than that, I think you're going to see that bottom sort of shake up and there'll be a little bit of churn, whereas last year I think you know, 95% of the scoring uh, from last year basically came back to start October. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Hey, speaking of interesting, what will interest you most uh, starting, say, tonight uh, with a home game against Denver and then obviously back from the road trip to play, uh, you know, Phoenix and L.A. still? Uh, what, what kind of a storyline will you seek out, I guess, in covering this team over these final games? I am curious about the pace. Uh, Alvin Gentry has mentioned over and over again this season that you know he wants to see that pace pick up. And, and when Drew was running the point and he was pretty much the only healthy body left of those guys, you saw it pick up a good bit. Um, but I'm wondering if it is translatable uh, to these guys also, that if you can you know, play with centers, uh, you know, at least one center, on the, like a true center on the floor at all times, if you have an inexperienced point guard, inexperienced wings, that if these guys can still pick up that system and if it's that pliable and that translatable to everyone, then does that show that some of those issues with pace early in the season were a matter of personnel as compared to implementation from the coaching staff, or how does that kind of work? Because I think you know, there's not a large sample size to go on, but it was pretty clear that things slowed down for this team uh, when you had Tyreek Evans out there running the point and, you know, his limited action this season, even uh, even Eric Gordon, it was slowing down a little bit with those guys. It picked up when it was just Drew, which shows you a little bit of an example, but now you're really looking at just this coaching staff. And like I said, that's almost like the summer league where we looked at it the same way. You watch summer league games, and you're really judging the coaches as much as you're judging the players at that point to see what sort of system 
and how pliable it is to these guys. So that's going to be the number one thing that I am looking for on top of the personnel and kind of the bottom of that roster and seeing if, if any of those guys can really round out um, this team in, in you know, 16-17. Scott Kushner is our featured guest. He's with The Advocate, of course. He also covers the Tulane Green Wave. And while I've got you, Scott, I, I, need, to get your, I need to get your thoughts on what, what seems to be a very exciting and, uh, and a quick pace over at Tulane. They've got a new football coach in spring practice. They just hired Mike Dunleavy as their new basketball coach. And, oh, by the way, the baseball team uh, picked up a huge win uh, against LSU on Tuesday, and they're rolling right now under Coach Price. So uh, your take on where the green wave stands at this point here in the spring of 2016? It feels a lot different than it did a few months ago. I'll tell you that. It's, uh, you know, a new age. Basically, we've had three giant coach, giant searches in the, uh, since December. So there's been three major press conferences with the announcement of Troy Dannon, the new athletic director, then the announcement of Willie Fritz a few weeks after that, the new football coach, and then just this week, uh, the introduction of Mike Dunleavy. So what you've gotten now is uh, a guy, you have a basketball coach with, uh, you know, tons of NBA experience, play of 38 playoff wins. You got a football coach who has now won, you know, multiple conference championships and had, you know, in, uh, competed for national championships uh, at the FCS level. And you've got a baseball program that's won 14 of 17 games and is going to be in the top 25 if they can win two out of three this weekend at Connecticut. And so suddenly you've gone from kind of, you know, you have a very a, a, a portfolio that does not look very good as far as coaches, as far as results, as far as you know, seeing any sort of uh, of the forest through the trees. It was hard to see it. You know, the, everybody knows there's potential at Tulane, but the losing has gone on for so long that it's hard to see it sometimes. And then you you look back now as we enter April, and I think the optimism at Tulane is about as high as it's been since probably you were there, Sean. I, I mean, when when they had that 05 baseball team and a football team that was kind of rounding into shape right before Katrina. And now you're sort of back toward that level, at least as far as optimism uh, in the coaches, in the administration, and in the conjunction between the upper levels of the university, the board, and the athletic department, which has been frayed tensions for years and years and years. We're talking, you know, since the 50s. And now you've really got everybody on the same page. And Troy Dannon is kind of that perfect person to piece it all together. And you can see by his coaching searches, he's at least pulling in guys with the results. We'll see what they do at Tulane. But certainly you can't question the track records of anybody he's hired. Are the fans buying in or is that going to take time? It always takes time. You know, people want to see wins. I think you'll see an initial boost. Uh, you know, certainly when Tulane opens the season, you know, against North Carolina and the Smoothie King Center next year, you'll see more Tulane fans at a Tulane basketball game than you've seen in a long time. But that's also a one-off kind of thing. They've got to win. They've got to get more attention. And people don't really trust you. And you've lost for now. I mean, you're going on 10 years of basically uh, mostly losing seasons. You know, baseball has been the exception. There's been a couple good seasons in there. Rick Jones had such an excellent program that carried over past Katrina for a little while. Um, and then David Pierce went to the, the tournament last year. But that wasn't a spectacular team. Now you're finally starting to see kind of that, you know, them push back up and then get back into contention uh, and, and I, I do think you'll see it eventually, but it's always a slow grind. I mean, you've seen it with, you know, the Hornets and Pelicans, too. When, when the winning starts, it catches on pretty quickly, but you do have to start winning. You have to show people something before they'll put out their money and put out their time. Yeah, I think that's the nature of the New Orleans sports fan across the board. Uh, any concern that Dunleavy's never coached in college? 
I think there's a little bit of concern. Uh, you know, you talk to Troy Dan, and he's not concerned at all. I think there should be some concern just because it is so different, and trying to and especially for someone who's such a tactician uh, like Mike Dunleavy, you know, when you're working with 27-year-old, 28-year-old guys in their primes who really understand basketball and who have been, you know, who've logged so many minutes at such a high level, you know, they tend to understand these, you know, concepts a lot better. He's going to be trying to run all sorts of complicated offenses. And it could take a little while. It could be a bit of an adjustment, especially with you know players he's inheriting. I could see it being a significant problem early on. I think eventually he'll get into it a little bit. But you know, Sean, you've called. I mean, the rules are so different in college. The pace is so different in college. That thirty-second shot clock, not quite as bad as a thirty-five, but there are there are significant changes. Uh, that come with college, and then not to mention the recruiting side of things, which is just an unknown at this point. You can't say good or bad, but you know it's it's not easy for a you know 62 year old guy to go hit the road and, and be that closer and and bring in kids who you know are 18 and 17 years old. That's not necessarily an easy connection, especially if they don't know who you are. Yeah, you got to have players. I mean, that's that's kind of the bottom line. With that being said, on the football side, because you've touched on baseball and basketball now. Um, what would lead anyone to believe, and I, I'm, I'm being a cynic here, I, I know that, I'm kind of playing devil's <laughs> advocate, what would lead anyone to believe that Willie Fritz is going to be different than Chris Selfo, Bob Toledo, CJ, all these guys that have been up against the problems of those coaches? And look, all good men, I think all good football men too, but they've seemingly run into this cinder block wall at times uh, and now here comes Willie Fritz, who who has a resume, no doubt, and actually steps into the new stadium from the jump as opposed to the other guys. So I, I guess I want to hear <laughs> why this guy will have a better chance than, say, his predecessors. I'll, I'll tell you what Troy Dannon would say, because quite frankly, I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard to tell uh, as to whether or not – you know, it will be like you said. I mean, everybody who has stepped into this job at Tulane walks in day one, you know, with a ton of optimism and looking like a new man, and they walk out like they carried their way to the world <laughs> on the last day, uh, like you know, grizzled, beaten men. Uh, it is not an easy job. It just that's the way it is. It's never been an easy job at Tulane. Uh, it is easier now. There are more things set up, more support set up. Uh, as com- in comparison to their peers, than certainly what Toledo had to work with in the aftermath of Katrina, and uh, even what Curtis Johnson had, which was better than what Bob had. But what you have now is a uh, a conference. You have a coach that's entering a conference who understands what he's getting into. Curtis Johnson will repeated over and over and over again just how dramatic the shift was going from Conference USA into the American and how much different the talent level was. And it is. But what it also provides is that every single game is on television and every single game is available for for recruits and they're going to be on high-level networks and they are kind of the sixth conference. They're certainly not in that Power Five, but they are much more respected than they were in Conference USA. Willie Fritz, the difference is that he is probably the first coach in the history of Tulane football, who's going to walk in with a series of championships as a head coach in college football underneath his belt already. Uh, he, has, he was very successful at Blinn College. He was very successful at Sam Houston State, uh, came very close to winning a pair of national championships, lost in the championship game, and then went to Georgia Southern and won the Sun Belt in his first two years. Uh, and that is a, kind of an amazing accomplishment as they were transitioning from FC, FCS and FBS. 
So there is a track record there that none of those other coaches had uh, as far as pulling a winning coach while he was still winning and having him come to Tulane. That has never happened in the program history. They've had guys who have been fired from other places and retreaded up to Tulane, but never this kind of direction. I think that is a, a significant differentiator to, to make note of. And that, that's, I think, a big reason for the optimism with regards to Tulane, is that he, Willie Fritz has won everywhere he's been, and he's been a lot of places. And that's a great point, because now, I guess, we have a head coach at Tulane that's viewing Tulane as a step up from where he was, which you're right, that hasn't happened before, not in recent memory. Yeah, it's a totally different type of ball game than, you know, someone who's trying to upstart, jump up their career from assistant level to head coach or someone who's trying to get back in after they've been fired before. It's very different to have someone where you're pulling them because you're the destination job. Um, and that's a credit to, again, the university the board and the athletic department all kind of coming together, realizing that the investment in athletics is something that they need to do because you either got to play or you got to stop it because it, it doesn't make any sense um, to continue on the path that they were on for a few years there after Katrina where, you know, you had an athletic department, but they were so poorly funded and so, you know, they were just strapped against everything else. Their competition level was so much higher than them. Now you're seeing that sort of even out. And if they don't win, it's not because they don't have the facilities and they don't have the investment and they don't have the money. It's because they didn't, they didn't just flat out didn't succeed. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think uh, for the first time as until I can remember, Scott, whether you're a UNO fan, a Tulane fan, an LSU fan, a Pelicans fan, a Saints fan, Southeastern, anybody, I think that probably every single fan base has got something to gripe about here <laughs> over the last 12 or so months. And boy, oh boy, I, I'm glad that we got to visit a little bit about Tulane. We don't talk about them a whole lot. Um, but what, you know what I hope? I hope that all these teams, rising tide, all boats, all that cliche stuff, I think that everybody could use some good news on every one of their fronts, and maybe collectively uh, we can head into kind of a, uh, a glory period of southeast Louisiana sports. We'll see. But that's, where, that's, that's, my, that's my wish in 2016. <laughs> You have to go see that voodoo doctor that Alvin uh, needs to know what was trying to find, right? You got I mean, there's got to be some sort of curse going on there because it is what an unbelievable, you know, just 12 months that we've seen of, of misfortune going all the way across, um, you know, all the major programs in this state, and you know, I, I think. It, it'll all turn. Everything's cyclical, right? I mean, uh, yep. it's impossible to think that this Pelicans franchise is going to lose 300 games to, to injury on a consistent basis. But every year you think, like, okay, it's going to be a healthy season, and then suddenly it's, it all falls apart at some point. Um, and, yeah, I, I totally agree, Sean. I think there's a matter of time, and, and it's one of those uh, people need something to get behind. And I think eventually a lot of this stuff's going to turn. And there's, there's enough talent in a lot of these places uh, to in a, enough advantages in enough so enough of these places that you can't imagine this downturn is going to last forever. Yeah, and again, that's that's for everybody. So, Scott, I'm glad that you had a a nice open slot in your schedule today because we just had an extended visit and I enjoyed every bit of it. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely, Sean. Thanks for having me on. What about Twitter? Can folks uh, get you on Twitter? Of course they can get me on Twitter. It's at uh, Scott D. Kushner. That's Scott D-K-U-S-H-N-E-R. And I'll be right, bugging you Pelicans it. fans with Tulane updates and the Tulane fans with Pelicans updates. So everybody come Perfect. together. Everybody come together. Of course, online with the advocate, 
and, of course, in print as well. Scott Kushner with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll take a break, and we'll come right back here on this Thursday. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. The magic of Voodoo Barbecue. It's people, passion, and pure enjoyment. Seasoned with Louisiana's best. It's a celebration every day. A fusion of Creole, Cajun, and Caribbean. It's the soul, the sound, the taste of barbecue New Orleans style. Voodoo Barbecue. Pass by your neighborhood Voodoo Barbecue today. For fast relief coffee. Summer is coming and Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating is ready to serve you. Keeps offers a 25-point precision AC tune-up for only $119. Get your AC ready for the real heat that's coming. And as always, call Keeps and we'll get you cool in three hours or less. Guaranteed. Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating. For fast relief, call Keeps. If you haven't experienced our new and improved Sideline Premier Seats, then you'll want to check them out. Offering the closeness to the action but full vantage point of the court, it's a great opportunity to entertain clients, associates, and friends. Sideline Premier Seat ticket packages include parking, food and beverage credit, access to private clubs, and more. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to learn more about these premium seating options today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Hey, tomorrow's Black and Blue Report is shaping up to be a pretty good one. Uh, as we mentioned yesterday, Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, will be with us. We're going to talk about Hokie Fest, uh, the big fundraiser this weekend on the North Shore to help out Hokie Gaijan, who's in a real battle right now, as uh, all of us know. And so we'll talk to Jim about that tomorrow. And also, it appears that we'll have uh, Brian Anderson from CBS Sports, Turner as well. Uh, he'll be uh, previewing the Final Four. Are you ready for this? Yep. Uh, it'll be fun this weekend as uh, games uh, start on Saturday and then the National Championship on Monday. It's been a wild tournament so far. Some of it's chalk. Some of it's been uh, wildly um, upsetting and emotional for some. But for me, it's been fun. Uh, but Brian Anderson, who's been a big part of that tournament coverage on TBS and CBS, uh, should be with us tomorrow to talk about the Final Four and those teams remaining battling for a, an NCAA National Men's Basketball Championship. So with that being said, we're about to say goodbye. First, though, a reminder that at 6 Central tonight, it's the Alvin Gentry Radio Show. That'll air on 99.5 WRNO-FM for those of you in the New Orleans Metro. And then Pelicans warm-up fires things up uh, for the game starting at 6.30 Central time. Daniel Salerson, of course, your host. And then all everybody across the network will have the Pelicans and the Nuggets on the radio at 7. Television coverage as well tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans with Jen Hale, David Wesley, and, of course, Joel Myers. So we'll see you tonight on the radio, or perhaps you'll be joining us via your television. 
Nonetheless, we hope the Pelicans can get one at home tonight. They still have that emphasis on winning at home before heading over to the East Coast this weekend. Our thanks to Scott Kushner from The Advocate today, Daniel Sallerson, of course, as well. I'm Sean Kelly. And until next time, so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.